This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 3, Episode 4, Ed and Lorraine Warren, Part 1. Ed and Lorraine Warren are often called the pioneers of paranormal research and are one of the most recognizable faces in para-celebrity circles. The following is what I have been able to uncover and glean from my research in regards to them. This is not meant to be a complete biography, but should give the casual listener a better idea of who they are. Ed and Lorraine began their paranormal adventures when Ed dropped out of art school, claiming he could paint better than the instructors. Together, the young couple hit the road and Ed painted houses he thought were haunted with ghosts and goblins sketched flying out of the windows. Lorraine would take these paintings and knock on the doors of the houses and try to sell them to the owners. Some were painted on canvas, others on dinner plates, and some even simple sketched out on paper. That was the extent of their education in the paranormal. Contrary to popular belief, they do not have a parapsychology degree, are not trained to perform exorcisms, do not hold any related degree or accreditation that would help them in researching the paranormal that we could find. Lorraine's smooth talking would soon get Ed and herself into these haunted homes. Ed was fascinated by ghosts, however Lorraine was skeptical, but together they soon found out that the public likes a good ghost story and started investigating haunted locations in their neighborhood. All of their early work was all about ghosts and hauntings. There was no mention of demons, vampires, or werewolves. That was until a largely successful horror movie blasted into the psyche of every American. The Exorcist brought scares and provided a tale that demons really do exist and can wreak terrible injustice to the innocent. The public was fascinated and scared. From that moment on, every ghost or haunted house that the Warrens came into contact with was deemed infested with demons. Ed now proclaimed himself to be a professional demonologist, and together with a good marketing and publicity plan, his notoriety excelled. Lorraine was left in the shadows, so seemingly instantly she became a self-proclaimed psychic, able to feel and see the dead. She labeled herself a trance medium. This allegedly happened instantaneously when visiting a haunted home. Both Ed and Lorraine possess great charm and personality, and it is often stated that the families really believe they were there to help. The media thrived on the sensationalistic couple and their exploits, and when the Amityville haunting was exposed on television and in print, the couple were there for an investigation. Ed claimed the Amity house full of demons, and went on to embellish the stories he was told about the haunting. As it turned out, and is widely accepted among parapsychologists, the Amity haunting was a hoax. But that did not stop Ed and Lorraine Warren from exploiting the fame they now possessed. Everyone who was involved with the Amity House knew it was a hoax, and paranormal researchers such as Dr. Kaplan and news reporter from the ABC News exposed it. But the Warrens were already in over their heads. They had already claimed the house to be the most haunted, the most demonic, the most terrifying. They could not retract their own statements because that would expose them as frauds. So they kept the story alive. The media continued focusing on the Warrens, 
who are said to have investigated over 10,000 cases. But others in the field started asking, where is the evidence? Ed claimed to have photos and videos of ghosts and demons, but all of his evidence has been debunked. The most sensationalistic photos and video never seem to surface, as the video is misplaced, destroyed, accidentally erased, etc., etc. And Ed always directed those who questioned his evidence to his own backyard occult museum. Over the course of decades, the Warren collected haunted and demonic items that they displayed in a museum located at their property. Some of the items were collected from homeowners and others were given to them, well yet, still some were collected from yard sales. The occult museum is like a hodgepodge of occult material mixed in with cheap Halloween novelties and anyone serious about such a topic, in my opinion, would not only find the museum offensive, but immature. Ed warned people not to touch anything in the museum and claimed one person did touch his demonic-possessed Raggedy Ann doll and on his drive home died in a motorcycle accident. The story, however, has never been verified. Others have visited the museum and have purposely touched nearly every object in the museum to have no encounters of the demonic sort, nor have any ill-fated future. Among the pieces at the museum are photographic evidence of ghosts, including what Ed refers to as ghost globules. These are simply what we know today as orbs, a naturally occurring anomaly on film caused by dust, moisture, pollen, etc. Even ghost hunters know that orbs are not evidence of the paranormal. Ed and Lorraine began holding weekly meetings, which they charged participants to hear their stories of the paranormal, and they also hit the lecture circuit to further their quest for fame. When a story broke on the news about a werewolf in London, Ed and Lorraine were sent there by producers to investigate. The National Enquirer and the Weekly World News said the werewolf man lifted police officers in the air and flung them 50 yards. Police reported none of this. Of course, Ed diagnosed the mentally ill man to be possessed by a demon, and he was brought to the United States for an exorcism. During this exorcism, Lorraine claimed that the man grew fangs, his muscles on his shoulders and back grew, and his fingers grew larger with pointed fingernails. Even his ears grew out long and pointy. She described a Hollywood description of the werewolf in transition, the kind we have seen in the then popular movie, An American Werewolf in London. Bishop McKenna performed the exorcism and said that nothing of the sort happened. He went on to say that the Warrens often sensationalized the work that he performed against his wishes. And that is exactly what the Warrens did. What have they contributed to the field of study? What peer-reviewed articles, papers, and works have they contributed? Who have they helped but themselves? Ed passed away in 2006, but one can still get up and personal with Ed and Lorraine Warren by visiting the house and the museum. For $110, one can have dinner with Lorraine and visit the museum, and then take a walk to the cemetery to see Ed's grave. Sadly, many people take them up on this offer because the Warrens offer pseudo-celebrity status to those who take photos at their house and with Lorraine. Often ghost hunters and ghost hunting groups who do no more than cosplay their favorite television ghost hunting program 
showcase these photos as evidence of their paranormal stature. They neglect any research or scientific study and much like their paranormal heroes, delight in their Facebook fame. These same individuals will no doubt dismiss this entire podcast as they have met Lorraine and she is such a sweet lady. And on that we must agree, she does seem old and sweet, but she does not offer anything to the study, nor did her late husband Ed. Instead, she offers her celebrity status to those who would like to gain a similar position, such as the likes of Ryan Buell of the PRS. Others use her status to prop up their commercial ventures, such as paranormal documentaries, and they're often entertaining, yet unrealistic horror films. If we were to study World War II, we would not use Tom Hanks as a source, nor would we use Brad Pitt. The Warrens, at best, in my opinion, are entertainers playing a role, nothing more. Have you ever tried to find a cheap hotel room, and you open up Expedia, then you open up Travago, then Booking.com, and then Hotels.com, and so on and so on, trying to find the best deal from all the hotel discount and booking sites? What if I told you you could do one search in one window, either online or using your mobile device? What if I told you that you can take all these discount search sites, combine them into one easy-to-use app, saving time and money? It basically finds the cheapest price anywhere. There are no additional fees, including taxes, and the app is free to use. What you see on the screen is the exact amount you will pay. Now, this isn't a separate booking app. It is a comprehensive yet easy way to do hotel searches. Think of it as a cheap hotel search engine. It simply finds the best deal for you. Savings are incredible, sometimes up to 70% off. There are even options such as pay now, pay later, free cancellations, no credit cards required. With a database of over 270,000 hotels, 46,000 hostels, 500,000 bed and breakfasts, and 1.3 million apartments, you will be sure to find the best hotel at an incredible price. Now, do you want this app? Find the best hotel room at the best price. Just visit www.experiencethis360.com. At the top links, you will see a link called Best Travel Deals. Click that or use the drop-down menu to get to a specific area. Links will also be made available in the show notes. Again, that's www.experiencethis360.com. Now back to the podcast. Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links, and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Maddia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler.